0: It's a really brave act because there's a lot of pressure to adhere to other people's ideas of you.
1: Yeah. And also fuck the system.
0: Hello, and welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to 50 episodes. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah, and I am joined by my loving and lovable (laughs) co-host,
1: Robin.
0: (laughs) Hey, Robin.
1: Hi, I'm very excited that we're 50 today. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty exciting. It sort of snuck up on us. Yeah, it was like, I can't remember who mentioned it, but we're like, wait a minute, (laughs) we're almost 50. And um, I don't know, sometimes, especially with all the stuff that's been going on, it feels a little bit like I'm not doing, like my productivity is so much less than it used to be before I started this whole healing process. Well, before I had a nervous breakdown and then had to start a healing process. (laughs) So there's so many days where I feel unproductive and frustrated with that but then when I actually start counting up the things that we've accomplished I'm just like oh wait a minute you've you've been doing a lot like yeah what was asked of us before I think was just too much (laughs) or me at least I couldn't handle it and then now this is nice anyway I, I feel accomplished I feel it feels good is that what's giving you a fuck yeah right now or what's giving you a fuck yeah You know, it would be what's giving me a fuck yeah, if I didn't have like such a incredible, tremendous fuck yeah. A couple weeks ago, I saw an energy healer. And I just, I don't even know how to describe. I mean, what happened when I was there was very unexciting. You know, she said some interesting things to me. But um, I didn't feel anything at the time. But since I since that session that I had with her, like she she told me that I was carrying a lot of pain from my father's side of the family Mm -hmm. that was just handed down to me, unprocessed Mm -hmm. pain that they were unable to process. And then I was given it to process, I guess. Or ignore and stuff like that everyone else exactly is yes <laughs> yes and you're choosing something different i'm choosing something different i also like i mentioned to her something that i think a lot of people feel is like you know sometimes i'm like with everything going on in gaza or like syria or you know any so many people are suffering and why am i sitting here with so much pain like i have so much privilege and i have so many resources and she said to me it's because i'm not in survival mode that I am able to process this probably mm-hmm. what happened with my ancestors they were in survival mode they were they did not have room to process it or even understand it on any level and so she said that one of the things that I can do with my resources and privilege is to stop intergenerational trauma and habits and all of this stuff and and she said it's part of a bigger healing process that's going on all over the world mm-hmm amongst humans and maybe other creatures. I don't know. So, but anyway, she said that because my I am carrying so much from my ancestors that I do not have room in my body for my soul. Mm. My soul. She's like, no your biggie. soul is connected, <laughs> but it's not in there. And I was like, that feels pretty accurate. I've never had it put that way. But I'm like, is that not dissociation? Yeah. You know? So she put my soul back in my body. <laughs> <laughs> And when she's like, it's going to take a little while for it to fully come in. And she's like, and when it happens, remember it, because it's going to try to slip back out as you go into old habits. But she gave me all these grounding exercises to do all the somatic stuff that we've been talking about, including baths, which I've been taking to heart. So, but she just gave me all this stuff to do. And she's like, do your grounding exercises. And this is going to be like a muscle you're going to have to work, but you know, your soul's going to leave and, but you can pull it back as you learn these types of things and do more healing and everything. And I'm like, okay, cool. But when my soul actually came into my body, I knew it. And I was like, my whole body was just, it felt like I had taken ecstasy, but I had none of the downsides of, you know, I just felt ecstasy and my cheeks were hurting from smiling. And I was just like, what is this? I was like, is this like joy? Like this it was is like you were coming home. I could feel my body. <sighs> I hadn't occurred to me that being in my body would feel so good. Mm. I think I was so used to all of that pain being in there that I would escape my body through dissociation, drugs, sex, kink, all all the things that are very distracting Performance, art. And it's just ever since then I've been calmer and quieter. And just today it's really starting to slip a little bit. I can feel certain habits coming Mm -hmm. in. But I worked on it a lot with my with my therapist who does somatics. And she had me, I was doing stuff where I could feel for the first time, I could feel the energy moving through my body. Mm -hmm. So I, I was like, I start ruminating, which is my way of leaving my body. And so instead of ruminating, I was feeling the feeling that's causing the rumination. And I moved it from my heart past my throat and then out of my mouth and my eyes. Deliberately. Deliberately. Amazing. Anyway, I, I just can't this. get over it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Congratulations. It's nuts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I have a little bit less baggage. I'm a little more in my body. And yeah. um, I have a lot more to do with it. But it feels really good.
0: I also love that. What do you do with your privilege? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you have the privilege of not being in survival mode, then one of the best things you can do is heal yourself. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've actually, I mean, on this journey that we've been on, on the podcast, we've kind of talked a fair amount about, I think that Your and my healing journeys were not quite timed. Like I was Mm -hmm. in the darkness of my healing before we started the podcast. Mm -hmm. You've been in it more since we've been doing the Mm -hmm. podcast. And just that reminder for everyone that healing (laughs) is... Uh, in the capitalist system it is <laughs> sold to us as mm. you know joy and light and what was it that Row Rose said the like nice white lady in the gilded cage yes like, I actually love that yeah it is a dark forest full of brambles mm. where you're getting pretty fucked up yeah but it does I feel like I mean and in in no way am I saying I'm on the end of a healing journey. Like it's, uh, not a linear path whatsoever, but I do, or or ever ending, you know? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't end. Um, but I feel like I have moments where it's just like each stage of it, there is a little bit of a leveling up where you get a little bit more resourced. Yeah. I see you coming into that clearing You've like taken those brambles and you've turned them into, you know, you've got your little end of days
1: survival pack now, like fully. I got my little hobo stick with my hanky on the end. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I feel I leveling up is how it feels and it sounds kind of pretentious, but it feels that way where something happened after that healing session or during it that I feel new yeah, that's so great. Like, it's weird. Cool. Yes, yeah, You know, I've said it many times, but this podcast has been, like, really instrumental in the healing that I've learned so much. Yeah. And I've really taken a lot of it to heart. And I think what's really nice about hitting this 50th milestone is we're taking a little... Look back on, on what we've learned, where we've been, how yeah, far we've come. We're, we're going We're going to take you on a journey with us.
0: If you've been on this journey with us, mm-hmm. I think this will feel very nostalgic and fun. And if you are new to the podcast, if you just found us, then you're going to get a little taste of some of our favorite. I mean, I, I wouldn't say our favorite episodes because there's so many good ones and so many people that we've had on that obviously we're not going to be able to cover All of the highlights, but we have picked some really fun highlights to reflect back on. And where I want to start is actually one where it was a really interesting concept that I think was new to both of us from our episode, Fuck Y'ADA Sex Positive Parenting with Kristen Tribby. This is like our sixth episode. Mm -hmm. And we talked about a whole bunch of different parenting strategies in that conversation. But that was when we still had an intro question around what's the most recent podcast you listen to. Mm -hmm. He was talking about listening to a Christian couple's marriage podcast, mm-hmm. which like, was shocking because that's <laughs> like, not her ideology. Mm-hmm. And so she's talking about having the value of outside perspectives. So in that discussion, she brings up this concept of
1: bubble wrapping. Yeah. So and let's listen I'm, quick.
0: I actually want to have discussion around this because I am curious if we Think
1: about this in the same way that we did all the way back. Yeah. I'm really interested because I actually have not heard this clip since ah. we released it. So I, I'm going to be hearing it with fresh ears. Okay. I'm going to play it for you.
2: I think we all get in these bubbles, um, especially if you're a queer person, you you tend to bubble yourself even mm-hmm. more, bubble wrap yeah. yourself, I should say. <laughs> and I find that it's really limiting at the end of the day. I find that uh, I get really inspired by the things that are on the outside, things that I don't necessarily connect to in my daily life. and because then I'm just like listening to whatever the choir is preaching, you know, preaching to the choir is what they say, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. I actually avoid like the, I guess the podcasts that are a lot like me, I really avoid them.
1: That's so great. I love this mm. bubble wrap term. I'm huh. gonna really start spreading that. I okay. love that in the way that you're like kind of protecting yourself with the bubble.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But then you also kind of separate yourself with the bubble.
2: Yeah. And all the little bubbles you create, I think, for, you know, um, different places in your life like now that I'm starting to get into like school life with my kid that kind of stuff like oh I gotta create a new bubble for this one right because Mm -hmm. this will be a whole new thing you know Mm -hmm. so
0: interesting so Robin at the Mm -hmm. time we were like oh yes outside perspectives this is so great like bubble wrapping that kind of cushioning that you put around yourself can be limiting Mm
1: mm-hmm
0: and I've thought about this bubble wrapping, especially as a queer person, ever since we had this episode. Yeah. And I think as we've been on this journey and gotten way deeper into somatics,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I feel differently about the bubble wrap. Oh, I want to hear it. What's what's different? I guess I feel like we are entitled in this Very difficult world Mm -hmm. to put whatever cushioning around ourselves, as long as we are not causing harm to anyone else. You know, Mm -hmm. I think about like the frayed nerves. We've talked about this, that like Mm -hmm. when you're regulated, you have that really nice cushion around your nervous Mm -hmm. system and that that actually makes you more resilient for going out into the world and doing the shit that you've got to do. Yeah. So I am now like (laughs) in a moment of proudly embracing my queer bubble. Right. (laughs) And uh, not that I'm like closed off to other perspectives. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, but I'm not, I don't know that I'm all that
1: interested in hearing what the other side, (laughs) I don't know. What do you think about that? I have a lot of thoughts about it. I think it's very interesting what you're saying. It reminds me of what Roe Rose talked about on a recent episode of this season, saying like, how do I, and Lucy Fielding's talked about it as well with the Mm de-armoring, and Roe was talking about it in the way of, how do I protect myself against this world without losing my softness, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. and. And I think that it's really, like right now, I actually had trouble recently. We did a, um, a TikTok about a celebrity crush that was um, Brooke Shields. Do you know how hard it is to look up stuff about Brooke Shields and yeah. not feel like so it's so hard any movie and it's like this is you know they were referring to early 80s Brooke Shields so I had to find something where I felt like I wasn't further harming Brooke Shields by showing it on our TikToks right you know and that was hard for me to parse and it gave me feelings but I am not I'm in a space where I don't feel like I have good armor and strength in that way so I do have to bubble myself a lot but I think that there's also times where I have felt very much like a warrior and felt like I can stand up and I can, or not even a warrior, but I felt like a diplomat in the past or, you know, found different ways of extending that kind of gratitude and love to opposing views or even views that can be harmful. Mm. I just think it's about where you are in your yes. own body. You know, what can yeah. you do in this moment, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great point of it really speaks. I mean, what you were just speaking of, of like the privilege of being able to do healing mm-hmm. work, like some people are going to have the capacity. And I guess I wanted to revisit it because yeah. I don't want to in any way suggest that like, if you need that bubble wrap,
1: yes. like I'm
0: suddenly in a moment where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm okay with my bubble wrap. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to embrace it. I think I'm going to thank it for the Mm -hmm. wonderful things it gives me. And um, yeah, good for you if you've got the capacity to really take on the other side of the issue in this moment. And
1: there's lots of kinds of bubble wrap, right? It's not just, you can have like the little tiny bubble wrap and still go out in the community and like be able to do all sorts of things. It's like how we all need some level of being wrapped yeah. So and that's that's how we build the strength to be able to go out and do things that are less supportive, right? It's like through community and through being seen and, and validated by people that think similarly to you and feel similarly. But then you can feel that strength and go out and, you know, talk to your your dad <laughs> or whatever. Whoever it is.
0: Yeah. And we've had so many amazing queer people on the podcast from day one and so yes. many different perspectives on what it means to be queer, what it means to be queer and resourced.
1: Yes. Yes. And s- speaking of someone who's been on my mind since the day mm-hmm. we had an interview with him is Andrew Gerza. Ah, uh, Yes. I mean, his perspective as a queer person with severe disability was profound to me. What really struck me was when he was talking about the queer community and how ableist the queer community can be, because as a place that I have found it so welcoming and so part of my like identifying who I am and all of this stuff to have that really inaccessible for him was really striking and then later he talked about how he is able to form kind of community through sex workers
2: okay i'm gonna play it i have queerness in my family Mm -hmm. so my mom right away was like oh okay and she sat me down she made me come for food she made me honey and yogurt which is my like favorite food when i was little oh honey and yogurt and i had a big cry and then she said so when you watch a sex scene, do you watch Brad Pitt or do you watch the girl? I always, obviously, I watch Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh, obviously.
1: Obviously.
2: What she said in that talk was, that I love you and I'm so glad you told me, but I want to kind of warn you that queer men are not going to know how to deal with you, are not going to know mm. how to handle your disability. I just want you to be ready for that when you start exploring this, more. when you were like away from me and when you go to school and when you have all this life experience. Queer men are not going to know what to do with you. Just get ready for that. And I, at the time I was like, no, nah, you're fine. Whatever. I'll, it'll be fine. But I'm so glad you told me. Cause the minute I started accessing sexuality and trying to get laid and trying to fuck and do all these things, I immediately bumped up against ableism. Mm-hmm. And I still do 20 years on from that experience, like some 24 years from coming out, I still have to deal with ableism within the community. And it's, it's, really really hard it's still an issue for people
0: i'm so glad you picked this clip yeah cried when andrew told us that story yeah it's so beautiful that they had a mom that they could talk to about Mm -hmm. being queer and especially like as a disabled person people desexualize you so much so the fact that Andrew has a parent who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to be your whole self. Yeah. So moving to me and also the weight of being a parent and knowing when your child is about to embark on something that is going to be really challenging. Yeah. Fucking hard that is. And so the fact that she had the wherewithal in that moment to be like, I love you. I love your whole self. And also I just need you to know that this is going to be a hard road. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and what really struck me at that time and it it just stuck with me is how unaware I was of that dynamic. Mm. It had not really occurred to me what that experience was like. So when they shared their experience, I, it just, I integrated it. I really took it in. And later on, they talk about how they live in the gay district and can't get into most of the clubs there because they're not accessible. Mm -hmm. And it's, I really always in my heart felt like, oh, like queer community is all about inclusion, everyone, you know, but we're, I think there's a big section of people that we're really missing out on. Yeah, huge gap. Yeah. We asked
0: Andrew the question of where have you found Mm -hmm. a sense
1: of belonging? And I was really surprised by Andrew's answer. Yeah, they found it in sex work. They found community through sex work. And they were even so gracious as to talk about how, you know, the sex workers are holding space for Andrew's sexuality and disability. And Andrew does that for them. He, they talked about how a lot of the sex workers that they're in community with also have like hidden disabilities like depression or addiction or other things that Andrew can see and hold space for that people working with him don't experience outside of that relationship. It's really uh, symbiotic and beautiful.
0: Yeah, I really wasn't expecting Andrew's... I mean, without skipping a beat. It mm-hmm. was like, oh, yeah, I've I've found acceptance with sex mm-hmm. workers. And yeah. I w- was disarmed by that. And it really challenged, you know, my ableism mm-hmm. um, momentarily. And it made so much sense. And yes. what I really appreciate about what Andrew was describing, that their interactions with sex workers is such intimacy. Mm -hmm. We don't think of sex work as being something that where people are exchanging a sense of belonging, a Mm -hmm. sense of connection, and that that is absolutely part of it. And that sex workers are healers. And yes, this is a theme that has definitely come up a number of times. It's incredible. Yeah. And so many of the healers that we've had on the show yes. are previously sex workers or still currently doing sex work. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it makes, of course, it makes so much sense.
1: Yes. I think it was this episode where we we're like, sex work should be covered by insurance. Yes. <laughs> you know, Yes, and <laughs> because, because it's such it. necessary, difficult <laughs> and intense work that is very intimate. I mean, who's going to walk through your shadow with you? better than a sex worker and yeah yeah well and that brings me to one of my clips Mm -hmm. which is our
0: episode with dr vanessa carlisle oh yeah fuck yeah to somatic practices vanessa does sex work self-defense work Mm -hmm. is a death doula and then also does a lot of somatic self-care practices teaches about somatic self-care Uh, Leading up to this episode in season two, we'd been talking a lot about somatics. It was kind of starting to bubble up in the conversations. But I think that this episode with Vanessa is a bit of a turning point for us in terms of it being kind of a main focus on Mm -hmm.
1: podcast. Vanessa
0: is also a writer and they talk in this clip just about kind of the balance of it all. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really, I think how they approach somatics is really interesting.
3: Let's hear it. I was lucky to have a godmother who was very into somatics before it was as common a practice Mm. in therapy as Mm. it is now. She's a writer too. Her name is Sark. And she was teaching me tapping before Mm. you could Mm. find videos on the internet she taught me that when i arrived at a new place and i felt destabilized that i could stomp around and tell myself i'm here now and that it would help me get grounded and it did so she was introducing practices to me when i was like a young teen and then also i've been a dancer this whole time sometimes more just dancing in clubs but sometimes working for a band or you know being in a lot of classes so I've always had some place where my body and how I'm breathing matters. And because I was lucky enough to have someone who is teaching me these things and, and I took to them, they, they made sense to me. So later on, I got into a martial art and I got into Qigong and I got into breath work and, you know, I'll kind of try everything. And, um, and I never stopped dancing. Right. So there's ways in which I've proven to myself over the years that if I do stop dancing, I become depressed. Mm-hmm. I have proven to myself that if I'm not taking care of my body, my movement needs, my touch needs, my nutrition needs, if I'm not taking care of those things that I can't write, I can't think mm. I feel awful. And all I want to do is be in a ball watching horrible documentaries about serial fillers. Mm-hmm. So
1: mm-hmm. when you
3: find there, yeah, yeah. you realize you know something off to get back to the club. No.
1: To
2: be,
3: okay, let's go to Zumba. No.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. And is that what you're doing these days? <laughs> dance camp in Mexico with my sister and we did Zumba every day for a week and it was amazing.
0: That, that sounds so amazing.
3: Oh, what? <laughs> ever.
1: I'll do whatever. It, it. It's like the retired stripper um health plan. Yeah. <laughs> I had to play it until the retired. <laughs> the retired, retired stripper health plan. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> like, "Oh, it's a good line even the second time around." Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Vanessa just lays out so succinctly what I think I mean, I guess maybe it resonates with me because it's sort of what I'm striving for, Mm -hmm. that balance of being in my body while also being able to do all the things I want my brain to do and function in the world and parent and, and do all of this. Like for me... I think the last year, in particular, I mean, you were talking about being disassociated and disconnected mm-hmm. from your soul was not mm-hmm. in. Front. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some moments this year where I felt that way, mm-hmm. of like, you know, my routines that I had cultivated over the pandemic that really served me mm-hmm. and that helped me be. Here, now, be in my body, just sort of went out the window when I had a a job that just required a really, really demanding schedule out of me. And I don't think I'll do that again. Yeah. Because I think it's really what Vanessa's talking about, where you've got to have, you've got to find your own balance, harmony, routines, and also have that self-awareness of like, if you find me at the watching the serial killer movie right yeah you know, i need some help and yeah. it just takes time. like you don't know those things about yourself i think until or for me i didn't it took me time and a lot of times for me it's like slipping out of a good habit that then mm-hmm. makes me recognize like oh no 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 i really really need that and the embodiment piece is really huge for me
1: Yeah, I think it's an upside down priorities that is handed down to us from, you know, capitalism. Mm -hmm. Capitalism requires us to ignore our body's needs in order to be productive, Uh, Yes, you know, and I was raised this way. And that's what fell apart for me before, you know, when I had the breakdown and everything is that I was putting so much emphasis on being able to show up in a certain way and prove my worth and all of this Mm -hmm. stuff. And to get back into your body and realize like, oh, this is actually the priority. And then once I'm fed, rested, and exercised, mental health, like all this stuff, and then you can create, then you have the capacity to be productive in other ways. And I've had that completely backwards this whole time. And I'm only starting to flip that pancake. You know, it's real burnt on one side. You should have flipped it a long time ago.
4: <laughs> well,
0: you're, but you're nailing it, mm-hmm. it on the head, right? That it is this capitalist notion mm-hmm. that we're supposed to produce and be able to work mm-hmm. and be a machine. Yeah. Without, you know, nurturing, nourishing, mm-hmm. and replenishing this body that is, you know, gonna have to carry us through for way longer. <laughs> Then Mm -hmm. I just read a thing, you know, I'm deep in the perimenopause, right? I please lay Um, all the info on me. I'm so deep into it. A menopause specialist MD was talking about this false narrative around hormone therapy Mm. that we're fed like, no, 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 don't, don't do hormone therapy. It's not quote unquote natural. Right. So then she gave a breakdown of what um, the average age that we used to go through Mm -hmm. menopause was early 50s mm-hmm. and the average death age was 57. Right. You weren't meant <laughs> to really last that much longer, right? And right. Yeah. We're living in these postmenopausal bodies
1: for 40, 50 yeah. years. I mean, do what do what is going to be best. Do what, for you, whatever like, works for you. Yes. But I want to point out the misogyny in this because what's natural gets put on women all the time. I have never heard mm. once mm-hmm. anyone mm-hmm. say that a man taking testosterone to boost his sex drive or taking Viagra, Viagra or anything like that, nobody's like, it's not natural. Exactly. That's always a woman thing. Yeah. Somebody else deciding how we should be able to experience life. (laughs) Yep. Makes me mad. All right. (laughs) So I have a clip from our very first episode. And I know this is very Leo fashion that this was the episode where you were interviewing me. (laughs) (laughs) But I just do want to mark the difference because this podcast has been a bit of a journal for me including and also a journey, a journeying journal, a journaling journey. And I was re listening to that episode and noticed a number of things that like the healing process is a little bit like taking veils off. Like I have many, many veils on and I don't know how many and you can take one off and then you're like, Oh, I can see this more clearly now. And I was listening to my me actively talking about different veils that I have and we ended up naming that episode chasing the feeling and I realize now now that I've been in my soul has gotten into my body (laughs) I realized so many things about that but in particular like the chasing the feeling that pit of sadness that I had in me my like my body just didn't feel good at rest I was feeling pain when I was at rest smoking weed and kink and going out and dancing and and all of this stuff, performing that was kind of a way to get this feeling off of me, to relieve the pain. But now I realize that it's intergenerational trauma and my own trauma that I'm carrying with me that is just unexpressed and unhealed. And so it's just sitting there in my body festering. And that has, I mean, it's hugely been like through the therapy that I've been doing, but almost every fucking episode I've progressed down this journey and had another veil lifted because of these conversations. So I just want to play a little bit of this when I'm talking about where I was at on day one of the podcast. And this is almost two years ago. We recorded this, I think, in March of like 2022, 2022. So.
0: What is your go- go-to go indulgence?
1: Um, I mean, I do, I do think it's, it's weed and drugs. Like I am kind of trying all I realized recently, I'm kind of always trying to change my mood through chemicals. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always trying, I'm indulging and that's why the weed is such a thing. And then, you know, you can throw some ecstasy or some mushrooms in there from time or even just I'm luckily I am not too far into alcohol, but even just like, I'm always like, I just want that one beer every day. I want the joint at night. I kind of always want it. I think that's why I get a little bit too into, not too into it, but I get into yoga so much because I'm like, I want this feeling. I'm like chasing a feeling all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Isn't that dramatic? To me, it's very, I'm chasing a feeling all the time because how I am and who I am. I've done so much discovery of my own self-hatred that was handed to me, you know, And it's because I couldn't sit with that. It didn't, I was just, I was, had so much unresolved stuff. And now where I'm at, I mean, I still kind of chase certain feelings, but I'm really working on the sitting and the being, the under analyzing, Mm. the feeling, feeling the feelings. Because not only was I chasing, I was running also. Part of the chasing is you're running away from something else, you know.
0: It's one of the greatest gifts, I think. I mean, we keep coming back to the healing journey. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It's sort of sound like broken records, but being able to be with yourself, to fucking love yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Part of why we're here, I think. Yeah you know? Yeah. And I, it's not to send fucking emails, right? Like it's right. about being able to be with yourself. And it's actually, I didn't say this earlier, but one of the reasons I chose a Vanessa Carlisle clip is I do feel like that was a turning point in, mm-hmm. the, I mean, it's actually probably about the halfway point, probably around our 25th episode at the halfway point mm-hmm. of where we are now is it was a turning point in our journey as a podcast. Cause one thing that Vanessa is talking about in that episode is peak experience. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. As like a really common thing that we do in our culture.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that they're in a place now like when they work with clients, whether it's mm. clients or as a death doula or coaching, it's about really being able to enjoy, like regulate your nervous system yeah. so that you can find that peace and yes. contentment. And that's, I think, a lot of what um, where we've kind of come to, mm-hmm. because, yeah, we did name that first episode Chasing the Feeling as like a kind of core part of who you are and your unique gift that you bring to the world, which I do still think that you have this ability through your performance work, through your art to really evoke mm-hmm. feeling to yeah. eat and fire and mm. all those things. But I mean, what comes next is so cool. I can't wait to yeah. find out what comes from
1: a grounded, self-regulated Robin. Yeah. I don't fucking know.
0: Yeah.
2: We're gonna
1: see. Cause I feel it's very open rather than like I'm trusting the wisdom that I have now because I can feel my body. So yeah. I know how I feel now better than ever. Yeah. And so I'm trying to ruminate less and just listen and then express how I feel like with there's going to be a wisdom there that's going to be better than whatever I plan up with my little lawyers in my head that are like constantly arguing. <laughs> so, yes, it's all it's so good. I pulled a favorite Robin moment. Mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's sweet. Let's just keep on this um, Leo tip for a minute. All right. Um, So we had Miss Barbecue on the show. Fuck yeah to artivism. Uh, Barbecue is a drag queen, defines her drag as social justice drag. She also does work around trans empowerment and employment services Mm. at the LGBTQ Center. And There's a story that you tell, uh, in this episode that gave me chills and that I think is, um, also gave Miss Barbecue chills and I think is part of your magic.
5: So, yeah. And that's why I told them in the interview, Mm -hmm. I said, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that I kind of think I can, or I can figure it out when I get there. I can do this shit. Well, you live it. I've lived it. Yeah. I've lived it. Yeah. So so let me bring up other people who who can benefit my experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so great. That's so great. And I feel like it's not just A huge impact on the trans community, but it is a larger thing as well in the culture at large to Mm. weave trans people into everyday life, normalization and acceptance. Like I remember living in San Francisco in the early 2000s, and it was the very first time I was walking to work at like 8 a.m., and everybody's walking real fast doing that 8 a.m. commute. And yeah. I saw a trans woman in a business-like power suit. And business realness. Like business realness <laughs> with her briefcase strutting to work. And I was like, oh. uh, it was the first time. I re- will never forget just walking past her. The first time that I mm-hmm. saw a trans person in a professional sense right? that I was like, it's not sex work it's not and and of course we love sex work i yeah. love sex work but it's like it can be taken out of this heavily sexualized realm and into
5: another this- possibility
1: A whole a whole person. Mm -hmm. A whole person who I'm sure I hope has a great sex life as well. Yeah. But it also has a fucking career, ambitions, all of this stuff. And it just what you're telling me is just a continuation of that line where trans people can be just totally interwoven. You know, and it's been such a struggle, even within the gay community. But it's so I I congratulate you on that work and I and you are uniquely qualified for that because you are that activism embodied in front of us. Thank you. I'm I'm proud of you and that you exist in the world. It's wonderful.
0: So uh, you are a super ally. Uh. And and I (laughs) guess your appreciation of people in all of their wonderful uniqueness, messiness, Mm -hmm. whole selfness is just, is something that has come through. I mean, it's obviously something I've known about you from, for a long time, but it really Mm -hmm. has come through to our audience as well.
1: Well, that's very, I, I'm glad I, I feel it so intensely. Like it's, there's, re-listening to that it's like I get warmed by it because it, it I am it's it's how I feel about it and for me it's incredibly inspiring it's like I think some of the best work that humans can do is it's so bold and brave like to be a trans person open openly living your life in your most most authentic way with all of the dangers in this world to to do that is is very, not that it's not brave if you're in the closet, but it's just, I think it's courageous.
0: I mean, I think even just accepting it to yourself, like, yeah, this is who trusting yourself. This is also mm-hmm. something that's coming up a lot, right? It's like, if you can trust yourself to be the expert on you and to yeah. know yourself, it's a really brave act because there's a lot of pressure to adhere to other people's ideas of you
1: yeah and also fuck the system the system's (laughs) stupid you know it makes me mad I mean really to me it's like saying like oh I like purple and everybody ostracizing you and and attacking you like that people get attacked it makes it it lights a fury in me it makes me very upset yeah (laughs) justice um Sarah I have a favorite moment from you Mm-hmm. And you have a way of like heartwarming me in a um I don't know I think I get a little like loud and bombastic and you'll come in with these like smooth kind of like a gentle salve of um of heartwarmingness. This in particular, we were doing a, a just a you and me episode which um, I love our guests, but it's nice when it's you and I. And we were just talking about like teenage stuff. I had found all these old journals from my basement flooding. And you shared a letter that you had written to your younger self, which is part of a workshop that you do. And I thought it was just so profound. So let's just play it and then we can talk about it. Okay. I'm going to
0: read my letter. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. I am all ears to my youngest self. It's a little long, but, um, you know, I'll be curious what your take on it is. My dearest Sarah, I want you to know above all else that you will fuck up and you will still be loved. Most importantly, you will be loved by me, your future. Hmm. self. Imagine me on a cliff top overlooking the Colorado River, gazing back at you. I've paddled that river upstream and climbed up to this great height. I am fit, powerful, confident, and also deeply flawed. Mm. From this height, I can tell you your great journey is not winning the love of an absent father. Your path is not about being chosen by caregivers who are busy fighting their own battles. Your job is not to heal the wounded lovers or to be the best at anything.
1: Mm. I'm already like almost in tears, Sarah. This is really wonderful and intense. I hate to tell you, but putting more
0: work into your relationships, your work, or any of your endeavors is a big old distraction from working on yourself. Your job as I see it is to get to know yourself, to become intimate with your worth and to set boundaries that protect your valuable resources, your time, your light, your care. I want you to know that you will have the things you want, love, a family, a home. You will build things that were not your birthright but you will also make a lot of mistakes and when it will be hard for you to learn the lesson that you do not have to be right or have it all figured out. And only then will you start to soften, ask for help, be patient, trust, and see that people can show up for you in the ways you need. You are incredible at taking action. You can make shit happen. It is only when you allow yourself to be honest about what you really want to yourself and to name it That you will see the prayers and the wishes for your life answered i believe in you when in doubt ask yourself does this bring me harmony does this make me prosper is there synergy these questions and your total badassery will give you the guidance
1: you need i mean sarah I mean, that's some hardcore Pisces shit. Like, you understand feelings. uh, I got chills multiple times. I'm teary-eyed. It's just like, I feel like you're writing it to me in a certain way. I think almost anybody can relate to all of the things that you put in there. It's so Mm -hmm. incredibly thoughtful and kind. What does it do for you to listen to it? Because you seem emotionally affected as well.
0: Yeah, I am emotional right now because I wrote that... You know, before I was in 2022, I haven't read it since reading it on the podcast. So I realized I should listen to that clip. You know, like it's so. It's a reminder it's a, that serves. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah. And some, um, I see the ways in which I have, you know, since writing it, veered from the message, mm-hmm. but also come back yeah. towards it. Like I feel in a moment. Like I am back there. Yeah. And um, what a gift. I mean, I well, I'm also so excited because I'm going to be teaching that course again in March. Anne and I are doing it. We'll probably only do it once a year. It's a four-week course. And the thing is, you know, there's such clarity in that letter, and truly, it is from that like four weeks mm-hmm. of investigation that we do into self love and real self care mm. that gets you to a place of you know i mean as the facilitator right like i can hear such clarity yeah. in that letter and it is really a testament to the journey i think that we go on in that course that's so, so I'm interesting so excited to teach it again because it is always a gift to me yeah. And to the participants. So it's like, it encapsulates this whole podcast thing that we're doing, yeah. right? Where we gain so much mm-hmm. from it by also giving this out to the world. It's that mantra that we've put out there looking for expansive mutuality. Yes. Reciprocity.
1: Th- yes. That's so. Yes. That's a really interesting insight because as I'm listening to it, I'm like, I'm like, she's got clarity. Like yeah. I, it's so well put and it makes sense. Um, besides you being like a total genius, um, that, <laughs> that it was a process of, it's like a four week process leading up to that. Yeah. I'm going to have to take yeah. that. Cause yeah. I need, I need to, yeah. I need a letter I mean, to myself like that. Yeah.
0: And that's the, the idea with the, writing that letter is we say, you know we're gonna work on this letter all together, and then you're going to like set a reminder in your phone, and six months from now mm. read it back to yourself. Yeah, it's meant to be sort of a lasting gift, like a touchstone to come back to.
1: And I just felt it right, like yeah. you saw me tearing up. I really was like,
0: yes. Yes, all of this,
1: yes, 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 and how uh-huh. easily we can veer away, and it's nice to have something because that's gonna serve you for who knows how. I don't see how that wouldn't serve you for you know many, many years to come, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, oh, oh <sighs> you. well, we're gonna do a hard yeah.
0: laugh to our final clip, lighten that up, which are um more sexy sex, sexy sex, sex times. Sex. <laughs> so one of our i think most bombastic guests What's the word for was yeah. susan bratton in season two and she just is i mean living her talk like all in on female sexual empowerment mm-hmm. and the way that she talks about the vulva Our anatomy is just a master class Mm -hmm. in educating people on how to approach the vulva so let's play i also
1: just want to talk say one thing about like it's her cadence and enthusiasm and intensity (laughs) blew me away it's one of my favorite parts of it so um anyway please go ahead yeah (laughs) she does not
0: half-ass there's no holding uh, back anything in her life
4: (laughs) you've got to get turned on so you've got blood flow to the vagina that seeps through the walls that wets the vagina for that fluidy feeling just like when you touch the cervical area and you awaken it sometimes at first it's sensitive and then it loves to be touched the same as the floor the sides. But instead of just stroking the tissue, just the same as with the clitoral shaft and the clitoral glands, you're not rubbing the skin. Right, That's not what feels good. What feels good is the tissue under it, your little clit dick that loves to be jerked off a little, you know, things like that, where you're touching the meat inside. So I want people to not only explore Spelunk the cave, but know that it's not just the walls that you're touching, Mm -hmm. but the meat of our womb, of all of the inside of us that will send even more pleasure to our brain to activate and help us become orgasmic with intercourse, orgasmic with meditation, orgasmic with dildos, orgasmic with fingers, all of those things. So it's just, you know, kind of pushing out what we know, going from the little tip of the clit to just like, what is all this stuff that we can play with?
1: I don't know. (laughs) Who else can make me blush like her? It's so bizarre. Like I never get like blushy and, and but like when she says that little clit dick and I just am like <laughs> oh I love it so much though like it's nice to have someone get me to blush because it's the straightforwardness you realize that even as like a pleasure educator I still have levels where the directness around sex can make me a little jostled you know yeah I think I do that to other people most often but Susan Bratnell. I love it so much.
0: Yeah, she really cuts through the noise, but the, you know, the substance of what she's saying, getting to stimulating the meat Mm -hmm. of the tissue rather than this like soft grazing. Mm -hmm. People think clits and vulvas and vaginas are super delicate. It's like, yes, when
4: unaroused,
0: They are not very responsive to stimulation. But once that blood flow gets going, like you can really, you know, you want to be getting the sensations in deep into the tissue. Mm-hmm. And that she is sort of demystifying this idea that the vaginal canal is a canal. She describes it as a balloon. Mm-hmm that it engorges and swells and expands. And so I just, I really like all of the work that she's doing around educating. She
1: calls it a cave at one point, right? Which yes, in the spelunking, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think a cave, cause there is like, you know, there's nooks and crannies and like, you know, yeah. there's areas and places to explore.
0: Yeah. So if you're looking to uh, splunk your cave a little deeper, find uh, Susan Bratton. <laughs> it's a,
1: you know, 10 out of 10 recommend that episode. <laughs> Another one that has been one of the fan favorites and blew my mind. It was a season one finale. It was with Witch Wild. I mean, we were talking about leveling up earlier. I don't even know what level she's on. Like this conversation was beyond anything I had conceived of I things that I had never occurred to me and I don't know I so she she started talking about spirit lovers Uh and I my mind was just blown and blown so uh, I guess the context for this is she's talking about creating and maybe you can help me with this because I don't totally understand it but she's creating a container in space every for sex magic so every time she's even masturbating, it's within a magical context. And she takes that energy, she cultivates the sexual energy, and then has an intention and is able to utilize that energy for her intentions. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. For for
0: manifestation, for um, connecting to source, yeah. energy, She talks a lot about solo practices, Mm -hmm. just a way of being empowered, knowing yourself, all of these kinds of things, and that you can create ritual out of your sex because
1: the kind of energy that you're building is powerful. Yeah. But through this process of building energy in her solo play, she has discovered energies that she is not actually alone She is, her energy and her spirit lover energies are creating a kind of conduit that then has this third energy that is the sex magic energy that is built between them. And this is how she describes
0: it.
5: Like when you're doing sex magic on your own, Mm
1: -hmm. is it necessary? Can you just make that kind of... Conduit with your own body, or is you have to bring in another spirit level to it?
5: I mean, certainly you could just do it on your own, but most of us need a place to put our mind Mm -hmm. that's not just necessarily on the breath all the time. Be it a a fantasy for me, used to be more fantasy oriented. And then over time, in the sex, these spirit lovers have arrived, and I didn't make them up because they wouldn't look like they do. And they sort of morph and change, but they feel very real. I guess one could do this just on their own in a way that they don't bring in other other energies. But then it's probably not as magical because it is this sort of alchemical marriage thing that really is what ignites the magical aspects. So in consorting with your spirit lover in a solo practice, The two of you were three or however many are there, right, are then coming together to create that third entity. Hmm. Can you tell us about one of your spirit lovers? Yeah, no. No? (laughs) I thought about that. No, because it's, you know, some things need to stay secret. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty next level. I, you know, there are also things in that episode that are really accessible, Mm -hmm. like super accessible practices for getting started with sex magic. So I think that like, if you're curious about it, go and give it a listen and don't be intimidated by the spirit lover because which wilds journey has gotten her to a place of really advanced, um, practice. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was also really surprised by the spirit lover information. And I had never heard of
1: that before. Yeah. Yeah, she introduced me to that. I mean, she talks about like one of them is like a star. I mean, she gets a little bit into it. And another is like more earth oriented. And I'm just like, what? Yes. Is your masturbation like, oh, my God, I need to like... And that was our most
0: popular episode for a long time. Mm-hmm. So clearly people are really curious yeah. about sex magic and you know I mentioned recently on an episode that I used her yes. grounding exercise to do a sex magic ritual with Andrea and it was amazing. You can work with Witch Wild too. So yeah, if you're if you're at all curious, I definitely recommend going back and finding that episode cuz it's one of the more instructive. Yeah that we have and you know if someone can blow our minds yeah no joke and
1: you know that they are pretty advanced and you know what I mean I just about every episode I mean that one blew my mind into the asteroid you know field or something but um <laughs> every episode I'm just it's really been a wonderful journey for us and we've said it before but that's been the um really surprising thing about this is how much we are learning and that's what's kind of motivating us to bring you along on this journey with us as we learn about all this, like it's, it's never ending sexuality, queerness, feminism. There's just forever things to learn. Yes. Yeah. And
0: it's, if you've been on this journey with us and you've heard all of these episodes, thank you so much 50 episodes feels amazing Mm -hmm. to us. And if you are new on the journey, you know, go find some of these old episodes. There's some really great gems in all of them. And we just can't wait to keep bringing
1: these conversations to you. It's really, it's a very meaningful project. Send us us. um, recommendations for people that you think would be good for interviews or topics you want to hear about. We want to um, be on this journey with you. So include yourselves. Let us know. Yeah. Be in touch.
0: Fyapod at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok and Instagram at fuck yeah Pod, And we'll see you next week. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah.
4: Fuck Yeah! Podcast is hosted and produced by Robin Jennings and Sarah Tomchessen,
3: a.k.a. my mom.
4: Theme music is by She, Her, Sir. Segments are voiced by Kristen Smith Davis. If you're enjoying the pod, please subscribe and leave us a rating or review. And don't forget to share with a friend! You can email us at fyapod at gmail.com or follow us on TikTok or Instagram at fuckyapod. Thanks for tuning in.